Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining with us here today, because today I want to talk about a topic that is often avoided. Today I want to talk about a topic that can make us a little bit uncomfortable. Today I want to explore a topic that is needed in our day and age, but I think is really misunderstood in our day and age. Today I want to talk about the topic of evangelism. And I know that as soon as I say the word evangelism, that there are likely at least three different responses. That there are some people who are like, yay, I'm so glad that we're talking about this. Like, we should be talking about this. There's other people who have a kind of a reaction of like, there's no way I'm getting into this. You might have some hesitancy or avoidance. And then there's other people too who might be like, I have no idea what you're talking about when I say the word evangelism. So I want to explore some of those reactions. But first, for those of you who have no idea what I mean when I say the word evangelism, what it literally just means, it's the practice of Christians sharing their faith with others. Of Christians really just sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people. Of Christians sharing and inviting other people to follow Jesus. That's what evangelism is. And as I said, I think there are some of you who are likely excited that we're going to be talking about this topic here today. You might be especially wired or gifted for it, so it might be something you feel very excited about. But I would also hazard a guess that for the majority of our people, for the majority of our people, there might be some hesitancy when it comes to this topic of evangelism, or there might actually be an even an aversion to this topic of evangelism. Because I know you're all smart people, and so some of you, what you're already putting together is that if Andrew's talking about evangelism today, there's always a main point and a challenge, and you might be a little bit worried about what I might challenge you to do. Because I think for many of us, when it comes to evangelism, I want to show you a clip of how I think we picture it in our minds how I think we see what evangelism is. And obviously this clip is funny and it made me laugh so hard, but this gives us an idea of, let's put it this way, the wrong way to do evangelism. Let's show this clip. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Do you have time to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Hey, don't run from the Lord. Where are you going? Now, I can't tell you how many times I've watched that clip. It is like, it is... Well, it's probably way too many, and that clip makes me laugh every single time. And that clip actually, it gets at something that I think does resonate with people. That that's a really bad view of what evangelism is. That for many of us, when it comes to thinking about what evangelism, that it's like this idea of chasing down people, of interrupting people, of trying to convince them to have a conversation about something they're not interested in. I think for some of us, when we have hesitancy or aversion to evangelism, it's because that's what we're picturing. We're picturing like chasing down people and saying, don't run from the Lord. Like that's what we're picturing. When really, I think we need to have a biblical view of what evangelism is. So today I want to explore this topic of evangelism with you and with me. I want to explore what God might be calling us to do because here's what I believe and why we need to approach this topic of evangelism biblically and faithfully and practically for our lives because here's what I believe, okay? I believe that our world needs Jesus. Does anyone want to say amen to that? Right? Our world needs Jesus. And if, and if we are going to change the world starting here in Niagara, that means we need to get in the habit of actually sharing Jesus with others. But I think for many of us, for many of us, and myself included often, we feel ill-equipped to actually share Jesus with those around us. And the only picture we have of evangelism is this picture where it's either high-pressure sales or confrontational or argumentative or chasing after people trying to have a conversation about Jesus. Today, I want to introduce you to a different view of evangelism, one that is much more biblical and faithful to what God is calling us to do, and one that I believe our world actually needs. Because here's also what I believe. I believe not only does our world need Jesus, I also believe that if we put into practice the things we've been learning over the past six weeks, if we put into practice these ideas of prayer, care, and sacrifice, there will come moments where you will have the amazing opportunity to be able to introduce people to Jesus or to invite them to follow Jesus. And so today I want to talk about evangelism because I believe we need to talk about it. 
I believe our world needs Jesus, and I believe that we need to be a part of actually sharing Jesus with those around us. But I want to invite you into understanding it in a different way than maybe you have before. So to begin with, uh, we're going to be taking a look in the book of John. So we're going to be in John 1 today and John 4, exploring how evangelism looks like in the Bible and in the Gospel of John specifically. And what we're going to notice is just this. I want to kind of set this up for us. That when we talk about evangelism biblically, what I think you'll notice in the pattern in the book of John is two things. That what evangelism is, is noticing Jesus and then inviting people to experience and encounter Jesus. Okay? That's what evangelism is. It's first noticing Jesus and then it's also inviting people to encounter and experience Jesus for themselves. That when it comes to evangelism, the very first thing that it truly must be about is about noticing the activity and the presence and the person of Jesus around us. That I think that when evangelism, the practice of, you know, us sharing our faith goes astray, I think it goes astray whenever we think that we are bringing Jesus somewhere he isn't. That when we get into that frame of mind, that we are bringing the light to someplace that is dark, that we are bringing, you know, Jesus to someplace he isn't, that is when evangelism goes astray. Because follow with me, there is no place on the world where Jesus is not active, moving, living, breathing, and seeking to bring his kingdom and his shalom. Because what we believe as Christians is that Jesus is Lord over everything. Amen? So what that means, what that means is that we don't bring Jesus someplace he isn't. Our job as Christians, when it comes to evangelism, is to name and notice and to actually bring attention to the places, the people, and the spaces where Jesus is already at work. That's the first thing what evangelism is. It's about noticing how Jesus is already at work. And otherwise, if we don't realize this, as I said, um, evangelism can really go astray. It can be moved into these things that feel like high-pressure guilt and sales, or it can get wrapped up with power and colonialism and all sorts of things. But when it comes to evangelism, the first thing I want to say is that it's about noticing the activity of Jesus, right? That we don't bring him places he isn't already. We notice what he is already at work in. And then the second thing is, is that it's really about us inviting people to encounter Jesus with us. And when it comes to evangelism, the point isn't to try to argue people into the kingdom. The point is to invite them to experience a risen Lord and Savior. And that's what we'll notice in John. So I want to take a look at it today. I want to read through it. And we're going to see that pattern of noticing and inviting throughout the book of John, in John 1 and in John 4. And so I want to read it then, as I said, and we're going to work it through. Now, there's lots of different allusions. John is really condensing a narrative to a pretty kind of tight timeline. But I think if you'll pay attention, we'll see that pattern of noticing and inviting. Okay, so we read this. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. And Jesus looked around and he saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him for the rest of the day. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the men who heard what Zeron had said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet with Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. And he said to him, Come and follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida and Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph um, from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anyone one, or anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. 
And as they approached Jesus, uh, Jesus said, now here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this because I told you I've seen you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than this. So that's the passage I want to take a look at here together this morning, especially through that lens of evangelism, noticing how people notice Jesus and invite others to come and encounter him. And as I said, there are lots of different allusions and Old Testament kind of um, theological terms that kind of get thrown around in this passage. But what I want to begin with is just to notice one thing that is incredibly simple, but I think really matters. It's just this. How does Peter come to know and follow Jesus? How does Peter in this passage come to know and follow Jesus? Because if you know um, kind of uh, about the biblical story, what you will know and realize is that Peter is kind of a major character in the biblical story, right? That he actually has wrote uh, passages of our New Testament, that he becomes kind of the founding apostle, right? That he becomes a really major kind of character in the narrative in the gospels, that Peter really matters. So the question I wanna ask is just this, is how is it that Peter comes to know and follow Jesus? according to the narrative, what's the answer? Right? Through his brother, Andrew. Through his brother, Andrew. Now, when I was growing up, I obviously paid attention whenever my name, Andrew, was used in the Gospels. And honestly, Andrew, as, the, uh, uh, as one of the disciples, doesn't come up often. But here we see him coming up very specifically. That it's only because of Andrew, actually, that Peter gets connected with Jesus. And so what we read is that Andrew has an encounter with Jesus. Andrew has an experience with Jesus. Andrew chooses to start to follow Jesus. We read this, um, where it says, And Andrew, Simon Peter, was, was one of the men who heard what John had said about them and then followed Jesus. So Andrew chooses to follow Jesus. He has an encounter with him. He actually has an experience with him. And then what is the very next thing that the text says that he does? We read this. Then Andrew um, went and found his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. And then it says this, and Andrew brought Simon to meet with Jesus. And here I think we see those patterns of inviting and also noticing that first, what Andrew does is he has a personal encounter with Jesus. Because this is just true. If you want to invite someone to actually experience Jesus, you need to have first encountered and experienced Jesus. That you can't invite someone to encounter Jesus if you haven't first had an encounter and experience with him. So Andrew has an encounter and an experience with Jesus. And then what does he do? He goes to Peter and he says, come, come and see. And he invites Peter to come and experience Jesus with him. And this is what changes Peter's life. It's actually this introduction from Andrew. Like, what do we read? Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet with Jesus. I think this is what evangelism actually is meant to be. It's not about debating people into the kingdom. It's not about arguing. It's about actually inviting people to come and experience Jesus for themselves. We see this pattern again in the very next uh, kind of few verses where we read this about Philip and Nathaniel. It says this in the text. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and he told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip replied, Come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. I think this is what we need to get into our minds when we think about evangelism. 
Evangelism isn't about forcing conversations around people. It's about invitation, right? What does Philip say? Come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. Come and experience Jesus for yourself. Because notice with me, Nathaniel actually has some objections. Nathaniel actually has some arguments to make, right? He says this. He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip says, I found the Messiah, and he's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, no, 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 there's no way anything good or anyone good comes from Nazareth. The Messiah doesn't come from there. But notice with me what happens. Philip doesn't debate Nathaniel. He doesn't give him a tract. He doesn't give him arguments or theories. He doesn't give him all the reasons why someone good can come from Nazareth. What does he do? He says instead, just come and see for yourself. Come and experience this for yourself. Come and encounter Jesus for yourself. And then what we see in this passage is that when anyone comes and encounters Jesus for themselves, right, that Jesus actually changes them. Jesus transforms them. Jesus liberates them and frees them. That Jesus gives them hope and new life. That's what's going on here in this passage. That what evangelism looks like, it looks like noticing where Jesus is and what he is doing and inviting someone to come and experience him with you. And we see the same pattern of noticing and inviting, again, actually in John 4. In John 4, what we have here is we have Jesus encountering a woman at the well. And there's a lot that's going on, but again, I want to look at it through the lens of evangelism. I want to read to you what happens in this. We're going to see that exact same pattern just a few chapters over. It says this, that eventually Jesus came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus was tired from the long walk. He sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to drink water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And then they go on to have a conversation. And here are some of the key kind of points that end up happening. Jesus at one point says, go and get your husband. Um, Jesus told her, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you are living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. And then the woman continued, she said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. So Jesus has this amazing encounter with this woman where she's intrigued, where she's actually experienced Jesus in a different way, where she's asked about the Messiah and Jesus says, I am the Messiah. And then look at her reaction. Look at what she does. It's the same pattern of noticing Jesus where he is and then inviting people to come and to meet with him. It says this, Then the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So people came streaming from the village to see him. So what does she do? She goes and tells people that she knows. She says, I've met a man who has really told me everything I ever know who has changed me, who has transformed me. Could he be the Messiah? Come and see for yourself. That's what she invites them into. Come and see for yourself. And I think this is what we need to get at when it comes to evangelism. That evangelism isn't just arguments. It isn't just like logic and confrontations and all of that. What evangelism really is, is an invitation for people to come and to see for themselves the truth and the reality of Jesus. Because this is just true, okay? We don't just worship an idea in Christianity. We worship a living person that anyone can come and meet at any time. And I think that's what we need to get at when we think about evangelism in our modern day and context. We need to get into the idea that we want to be inviting people to personally encounter and experience Jesus. Because this is just true. 
in our modern day and age now, um, no longer do people believe in the same sort of ways uh, that we did previously in like facts, logic, and all of that, that now what holds the weight of truth, have you noticed this? It's actually narratives, it's actually stories, it's actually experiences. And that's actually what the woman leverages in this. She shares her story of her encounter with Jesus. She says, come and see for yourself and listen to what happens. It says many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman has said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay for longer. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the women, listen to this. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because you have told us, but because we have heard him for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. That's what evangelism should look like in a modern day and age. Okay? It should look like inviting people to come and to see from themselves. Not for us to just be debating ideas about Jesus. Not for us to be trying to just convince people about Jesus, but to invite them to actually encounter him for themselves. Listen to what they said. Now we believe not just because of what you have told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. That's when. That it's when people hear Jesus for themselves that they are truly changed and transformed. So what does this mean for us today? What I think it means is that when it comes to this idea of evangelism, which I believe we do need to understand better and deeper, and we certainly need to practice because our world needs Jesus, that evangelism, what it really is about, is first about experiencing Jesus and then inviting others to come experience Jesus with us. That's what evangelism is. And that's actually my main point today. That when it comes to evangelism, what it's really about is first experiencing and encountering Jesus for ourselves and then inviting others to come and experience and encounter Jesus with us. I think this is what we need. This is what we need to be a part of. If you notice in the passages I read, every single encounter with Jesus, it was highly relational. It wasn't going up to random strangers. It was inviting people that they had connections with to come and encounter Jesus with us. I think this is what our world needs. I think our world needs an encounter and an experience with Jesus Christ. Because I don't know if you've noticed this, our world is a little bit broken right now. Anyone else want to agree with that? There's a lot of futility and frustration. There's a lot of just difficulty for people. And I believe that Jesus actually brings hope and new life and change. And we get to be a part of the amazing gift of sharing the truth of Jesus with other people, not by us arguing for an idea or arguing about the Bible, but by inviting people to experience Jesus because he is alive, he is well, he is true, and he is active everywhere. And I think this idea of inviting people to experience Jesus, it matters more now than ever. Because now within the Western church in the modern world right now, there has never been such pressure for the church to face inward, actually. For us to focus in on our personal rights and freedoms, for us to focus in on like regathering and all of that, for us to focus in on whatever it is we have lost. But this is just true, okay, follow with me. Churches are always meant to be outward facing groups and organizations, right? That's what churches are called to do. The churches actually have a mission to change the world to join with Jesus in what he is doing. We are not meant to be inward facing groups, but outward facing missions who actually seek to change the world around us by noticing where Jesus is moving, joining with him and inviting others to experience him. So today, today, what is my main point? My main point is really simple, is that we need to encounter and experience Jesus and then invite others to have that same encounter and experience. That's what we see in this gospel, is that people meet with Jesus and they say, hey, come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. So practically then, what does this mean for us? Because I know 
as soon as I started talking about evangelism, some of us are a little bit worried, okay? I'm not gonna inviting you to go buy a soapbox to stand on a street corner or any of that, okay? That's not what we're gonna be talking about. But what does this mean for us practically? Well, today I wanna give you three things, okay? Three things. And the three things I wanna invite you to do to make this practical are this. First, to experience, and then to share, and lastly, to invite, okay? That if you're gonna follow Jesus and actually inviting other people to come and see Jesus, the first step is this, is that we need to have a personal encounter and experience with Jesus. That you can't invite someone to meet with Jesus if you haven't first actually encountered and experienced him. I think this is where it begins. That we need to come into a life-saving and changing and transformative relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we've experienced him, then we can invite others to come and to see and experience the same change. So the first thing is, is that we need to actually have an experience and encounter with Jesus. So today I want to say two things as boldly and as compassionately as I can. The first is just this, is that today, if you haven't accepted Jesus, today is the day to accept him. Today is the day to come to know him. Today is the day to actually have an experience and an encounter with him, to pray to him and to choose to follow him like Andrew and Peter and Nathaniel in these stories, to actually come to know the Jesus who cares for you and is alive and well. I wanna encourage you to take that step and that if you do, please let us know online so that we can follow up and pray with you and celebrate with you because this matters. So the first thing I want to say is that if you aren't a follower of Jesus, today is the day to become one. Second thing I want to say is that if you are a follower of Jesus, I think sometimes what sometimes ends up happening in our lives is we can sometimes go a long period or a long time without actually ever having an encounter or experience with Jesus frequently in our lives. That sometimes what ends up happening is routine starts to cover over relationship or all of a sudden custom starts to cover over kind of our connection with Jesus. So what I want to say is, is that if if in your life you haven't had a personal encounter and experience with Jesus in a very long time, I want to encourage you to actually to encounter him here today. Because I think when it comes to faith, we can't just be living off, off of what Jesus has done like decades ago, because we actually believe that Jesus is active today. So if it's been a while since you've encountered Jesus, I want to encourage you to take a step towards him today, to actually have an experience and an encounter with him that then you can share with other people. I want to encourage you to really make your personal relationship with Jesus a priority. And so if it's been a while since you've encountered Jesus or had an experience with him, how do you do that? Well, I think it's actually fairly simple in some ways. It's the three things we've been looking at over this series. It's about praying, caring, and sacrificing. That if you want to encounter Jesus, begin by praying. Pray, pray, pray. Just open yourself up to him. Invite him to speak to you. And yes, it is normal and it is natural to go through long periods of like drought and even sometimes doubt in your relationship with God. I once th went through an entire year where I didn't hear God speak to me at all. And someday I'll share more about that. But that can happen. But I think praying matters as a way for us to actually experience God. Another way for us to actually make sure that we have an encounter and experience with God is not just focusing on ourselves, but to focus in on others to actually care, right? So listen to people, show up with food, actually remember what they're going through, pray for other people. And if you do those actions, you will encounter Jesus Christ. Jesus actually makes us a promise in Matthew 29, Matthew 29 and Matthew 25, where if we turn towards the others around us, that we'll find him there. And then lastly, I wanna encourage you to sacrifice, to give up something for other people, that when we get in the practice of sacrificing, that's when we align ourselves with Jesus and we'll start to encounter him. So today, the first thing, if we're gonna actually be able to share Jesus with others is we first need to encounter him ourselves, personally, together, here at church. And the way we can do that then, if it's been a while for you, is to pray, is to care, and is to sacrifice. So that's the first thing. The second thing then, the second thing is to actually then share what Jesus has done in your life. 
to share how he is moving in your life, to share how he is active in your life. Because as I said, in our day and age, people don't trust kind of logic and data the same they used to. That was the modern world. In the postmodern world, what really has the weight of truth for people is narratives, it is um, actually experiences, and it is stories. So I wanna encourage you to then share what Jesus has done in your life with those around you. That's what we actually read in the passage. That's what we see. Um, we see the Samaritan woman saying uh, to the villagers, she says, come and see Jesus. He told me everything I ever did. She shares about her personal experience with Jesus, about what Jesus has done. And I wanna encourage you to do the same thing. That when we encounter Jesus, the next step is to share what has he done in your life? What has he set you free from? How has he actually given you hope? What is he changing within you? It's the change and the transformation that we want to share. And then the last thing is, is that yes, we need to not only experience Jesus and then share that with others, we then actually need to invite people to come and experience Jesus for themselves. I think as I said, when, I, um, when we talk about evangelism, so often it's moved into arguing and debating about the Bible when really what I think it needs to be centered on is not shockingly, centered on Jesus and just inviting people to come and experience him for themselves. Right? Like what do we see in this passage? What does Philip say? He says, come and see for yourself. What does the Samaritan woman? She says, come and see for yourself. And it's the people at the end, they say, now that we have seen and heard him for ourselves, we believe. So I want to invite you, really, the third step is simple, is to invite people to experience Jesus with you. I think that's important, to invite people to experience Jesus with you. That wherever you're encountering Jesus, wherever you're experiencing Jesus, wherever he is changing you, invite people to come and experience him there with you. So practically, what might this look like? Well, here's what it maybe looks like. Maybe you're involved in CR, and it has been the space that has just given you such hope and freedom, and that it's helping you away from your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. What you can say to someone is, I'm experiencing new life and freedom here at Celebrate Recovery. Would you like to come and join with me? What it could also be is really simple, is maybe you're experiencing real life and hope here on our weekend services. Maybe it could just be something as simple as that, to go and to say, I'm experiencing hope and freedom in a world that is so negative and dark and difficult. Would you like to come to church with me? It can be that simple. Or one of the spaces I encounter Jesus with regularly is in and through prayer, right? So you can just say to someone, you know what, can I pray for you today? These are simple ways to invite people to experience the reality of Jesus, to come and see for themselves. In the past month, actually, in the past month, I want to share with you what this has looked like practically in my life, okay? Here are just some ways that I've been able to try to live this out as I've been preparing for this passage and thinking about it and praying over it and all of that. So one of the ways that this has happened is I had a neighbor come to me. A neighbor came and they're going through something difficult. At the end of the conversation, I just said to them, you know what really helps me in these situations is praying. Can I pray for you about this? You know what they responded with me with? They're not a follower of Jesus. They said, I was actually hoping you would because when you pray, things seem to happen. So I got a chance to pray with someone and invite them to experience the reality of Jesus in their life. I was meeting with someone just a couple of weeks ago and they're uh, not a follower of Jesus, are not a part of church, and they've never really been to church, actually. But they're struggling to find community. And I said, do you know where I find community? Do you know where I find hope and healing? It's actually here at church, together with you in this place, in this family here. So I shared with her, I'm like, did you know you could just come to church if you want and experience it for yourself and see if you can't find community and hope and freedom here? And they turned to me and they said, even if I don't believe in Jesus, I'm allowed to come. And you know what I said? Like, yes, absolutely you can come. Or even just a little while ago, I was having a conversation with a family member at a family gathering. Uh, and they've given up following on Jesus. They're just like, it's, they just, it's been too much for them lately. 
They've seen too much maybe kind of abuse within Christianity, and sometimes that can happen. They have a really negative view towards it. So they started sharing with me their story and some of what's going on. And at the end, after they shared, I invited them nicely. I just said to them, you know what I've been seeing, though? I said, I've been seeing, actually, it seems like to me, like God moving in your life. And I started to name some of the places that I was seeing God in their own story that they hadn't recognized. And I just brought that up to them and said, what do you think about this? And for them, it was like this huge shift where all of a sudden they realized, even though they were walking away from God, that God was still with them and still active in their life. And it just brought a huge amount of peace and freedom and hope to them. They turned to me and they said, oh my goodness, like you should have like a podcast where you share all this stuff like every week. Cause this is like, you know, life-changing stuff. And I turned to them and I said, yeah, yeah, like we do have that. It's called church and you can come every single week. This is what it can look like to simply invite people to experience Jesus. It can be that simple and that straightforward. It can be like inviting them to through prayer. It can be inviting them to come to church with you. It can be through just inviting them to actually see and to notice how God is working in their day and age and in their life. And this is what I want to invite you into. That I really believe that if our world is going to be changed, we need to be willing to actually experience Jesus, to share that experience, and then invite others to come and experience Jesus with us. So what's my main point today? My main point is really simple. It's just that we need to experience Jesus and invite others to encounter him with us. And that part is important, with us, to come with us. And so what's my challenge here today? As I said, I know some of you are a little bit nervous about that. Well, here's my challenge. My challenge is to pursue a personal encounter and experience with Jesus and then to pray and to ask for a moment to share that and invite someone to come and experience Jesus with you. I want want to invite you simply to actually pursue a relationship with Jesus and encounter with him and then to pray for a moment that you might be able to actually share that with someone else and to watch for it and to be open to it. Because as I said, I believe our world does need Jesus and we are called into the beautiful gift of being able to share Jesus with those around them and be able to say to people, come and see for yourself and to encounter and experience the same Jesus I have. I think that's what evangelism is about. It's about inviting people to come and experience what we have already experienced personally. And so with that, would you join with me in prayer here today? Dear God, I ask, I ask first for all of us who have maybe gone a long time without encountering and experiencing you, or maybe today, God, this is the first time we've ever been challenged to actually put our faith in you. I pray that today we would experience you. I pray that today we would encounter you. I pray that today we would experience the life change and the freedom that you bring. And so Jesus, I pray first for every single one of us, will we encounter and will we experience you? And then God, I pray, will we also have the courage to share that experience with others? Would we, Lord, see those moments where there's an opportunity to invite someone, not in a forced or a guilty way, but in a God-opening way, where we can say to them, come and experience for yourself. Come and see for yourself. If you're interested, would you be um, willing to come and to experience Jesus? I pray we would see those moments, and I pray we would have the courage to be faithful in them. And I pray most of all, Lord, would we come to see this world changed by you as we seek to follow you faithfully. And I pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.